Good afternoon and welcome to the Leadership and Professional Development Podcast with Don Gatewood. And I want to say thank you all so much for listening today. You all have been awesome. You have been listening to the episodes, rating the episodes and leaving awesome messages and encouraging thoughts. I really appreciate all the listens. And today we're going to keep on bringing you some amazing content because we're going to be talking about a topic that's really important for a lot of you all who have young kids who are getting closer to deciding if they're going to go to college or not. And today's conversation is going to be about college, the things that you should know before making the decision to go to college so that you get the best possible outcome because that's what we all want and there's a lot of different traps out there and we want to make sure that we discuss those and the hope is that you can share this information with your network and your and your friends who have young uh, men and young women who are trying to decide what decision is best for them and what they need to think about and to have this conversation with me, I'm really lucky to have a gentleman, an amazing gentleman by the name of Jarrell Williams, who is going to impart some information and wisdom that we both have learned along the way that can be helpful for our young folks. So welcome, Jarrell, to the show. Don, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Congratulations on your podcast. And I'm excited to share the knowledge that I've gotten over the last um, 10 years of being on this planet. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I would like for us to start out by you sharing your education journey. If you can just walk us through your education journey first. Now, I want you to share you know, what you do professionally, but walk us through the steps of your education journey first. So I'll start with the the end and then we'll go back to the beginning. So I'm Jarrell Williams. I am a senior executive for a technology consulting firm um, where I've been delivering platform solutions to the federal government for the last eight years. Um, to get here, it's been it's been a journey. So of course we high school, going to college, but the one thing that I do want to stress as you prepare to go to college really sit and do your research and understand what you want to do. Uh, when I went to college, everything was about, let's go to college and be an engineer because engineers make money. So the running joke about the class of 2004 at that time was that we all wanted to be engineers because the amount of money that you could make. And all of my friends, we went to college to be engineers at different schools. We had some that went to Purdue. We had some that went to Indiana University. And I went to a school called Kettering University in Flint, Michigan. Um, The one thing about Kettering University is you have to co-op in order to graduate. That means you have to work for a company. Um, And we were on a three-month rotation, three months in school, three months at work. So when I graduated high school in 2004, I went to Janesville, Wisconsin, because I got a co-op job with General Motors. So 18, fresh out of college, intern um, at General Motors as an engineering intern working in the plant. Huge culture shock coming from Geary, Indiana, all black city going to Janesville, Wisconsin. You can Google Janesville, Wisconsin and, and what it was about, especially back at that time. So learned a lot. So in, in engineering, Long story short, I didn't finish in engineering. That's not what I wanted to do. I did electrical engineering for a while, industrial engineering, and I ended up graduating with a degree in business administration. The one thing about me, which made me very fortunate and lucky, I've always been a tech head. I was the kid that put together everybody's computers and made a a quick little piece of change. So I was always into technology, but that wasn't my major at Kettering. I wish somebody would have set me down and told me about computer science, but they didn't. So I finished in business with concentrations in human resource management and information technology. I was in a group called NSBE, National Society of Black Engineers. Um, Even though I was a business major, I was still active in that group. I actually held leadership positions in that group. And when we went to our NSBE conference, I ended up getting a position at Walt Disney World um, when I graduated from college. From there, from Michigan, I moved to Florida where I was a analyst at Disney, but I was building SharePoint databases. That's old database platform back in the day that was very popular back in 2009, 2010, everybody was using it. And so I learned how to use SharePoint databases. From there, that's when I was just like, you know what? 
I want to be in IT. Um, at that time, Disney, they were going through kind of like this shift. That was where things were crashing. They were doing these temporary assignments. So I ended up in a, working in a call center from building SharePoint databases to working into a call center. And I, you know what? I'm starting my IT career. That moved me to Washington, D.C., where I was fortunate to get a job at non, a nonprofit that was um, on George Mason University's campus. That afforded me the opportunity to get my master's degree for free in information technology, which opened the door to where I am now in IT. And after I got my master's degree, transitioned into technology consulting, and I've been there ever since. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was a wonderful, wonderful story. I was aware of a lot of those steps, but I like how you wove that story together. It was very compelling. The thing that was very interesting to me, though, about that story is how you started out saying that you were always kind of like techie, even when you were younger. You were that guy that people went to to just get little basic things done. So you naturally had this inclination and this instinct for ultimately what you are doing today. Obviously, you're doing a different job. You're not running to your friend's house fixing their random computer problems in, in their cell phone. I, I did that before. <laughs> although although I'm sure that you do have friends who do that. Because in fact, I think I've tried to use you once or twice with my uh, various challenges with <laughs> incompetence with cell I will say computer. back in the day, you did used to, that's back when I was in that uh, help desk world, I would fix everybody's computer because that's what I did. You were, you were one of them. Right, right. Yeah, because it's just funny how computers work because the people who can operate and navigate them, I know it feels super simple, but I think that people like you who get it don't understand why people like me don't. And I know there's this amazing space that we will never understand, but stuff just don't make sense. And it just does not make sense. That's all that I got is so to say. true. That's so true. Now, so, but th what was so important about that part of the story is because I think that when we talk about where does all of this start, where does all of this start when you're thinking about college, thinking about what are your next steps when you complete high school, the conversation around what are your skills and what are your interests, it's key and it's pivotal. You understood what your interests and skills were. At the same time, a lot of young folks who are in that 16, 17, 18 year old looking to make this real big adult leap no. into the next steps. Let me tell you, I didn't. So okay. when we were in high school, I was a techie, but I went to school to be an engineer. So I went right. to school to be an electrical engineer, an industrial engineer. I was going to be an engineer because of the money. Right. Like nobody was. And a lot of times, especially us in minority school districts, we don't have a lot of representation in the different career paths to actually see what they do. So I didn't know what an engineer, that's when the, the internet was really kind of taking off. So all I had was Yahoo search or whatever, like, oh, what does an engineer make? Oh, they make 70 to $80,000. I want to be an engineer, but I didn't have nobody. The that was details of that all of the see. details of engineering. Correct. Okay. But what you did know is that you had this experience and this natural inclination to computers, which is, which is really, which is really important for all of us when we're thinking about and when young folks are thinking about what are the next steps, identifying where your strengths and where your interests are. That is literally a very important, crucial step, because the truth is, by understanding where your skills are, your interests are, it determines, you know, what your next step should be, because while college is an option, it's not necessary for every single profession. And so understanding where your interests are and where they might best fit professionally can really help um, a person or a young person make a good decision. And I just want to spend a few moments to talk about that, Jarrell, because when we think about what, how do you figure out what your strengths are? I mean, you were able to figure out yours, but when I think about the average young person, how, how do they figure that out? Um, is it through the different extracurricular classes that they take? 
in high school? Is it through the local community center? Is it through, you know, internships, job shadowing with parents and family and friends? Those are some of the ways that a young person can begin to explore what their interest might be. So the one thing I would say is things are a lot different from when you were in school to when I was in school and fast forward, because I've been out of high school now almost 20 years. Like it's it's a lot different. There's a lot of access that young kids have today. Um, they're on their phones. They're on the Internet. Leveraging sites like LinkedIn, I get emails all the time about people asking about internships and things like that. There's a way to start doing connections that these kids have to take advantage of. Like if, like you said, if that's job shadowing, if your parents know somebody who's in the field, trying to job shadow is the best way to really know if that's something you want to do. Because some kids just like, oh, I want to be an OBGYN, but they really don't know what an OBGYN do and what does it take to get there. Correct. And, I think like now it's time, like you got to set a, a path for it. It's kind of just like, hey, these are my top three things I want to do to school for. Once I finish this degree, what does that mean? What's the supplemental degrees? What's the things like that? We have to start planning early or you're going to end up like a lot of us where we were just figuring it out. Along the way. Along the way. Yep. Right. So that that part is the first step. And but when a young person decides that, hey, these are the areas where I'm good, I'm good with math or science, I love to write, I love to speak, or I like to help my grandfather paint. Um, I've always been excited about, you know, helping the community like a fireman, a police officer, whatever, when the younger person has a chance to think about, understand what options they have, and then begin to narrow down, I wouldn't mind being a blanky blank. Okay, so after that point, it's important to determine the types of education and skills that are needed for said profession. For example, I think about my dad, God rest his soul. He was a small business owner of a construction company. He poured cement, he blocked brick and did house building. And he, that particular field did not require a high school, I'm sorry, did not require a college degree. It did, however, require the skills in the area and certifications that will allow you access to continue to grow in the field. And so it's important after you want to determine what it is they want to do, whether it's computers, construction, firemen, what are the skills needed? Is it a four-year degree? Is it a law degree? Is it a master's? Is it a certifications? Are it just some classes that you need to take? What exactly are the qualifications necessary to be successful in that area? And you, you have to also understand kind of just like what are the stepping stones to the end goal? Um, not only is there things that require degrees, but there's kind of just like levels and positions that you have to go through before you get to that that end goal. Like with trying to be a doctor, you have to be a resident and you have to be a this, and you have to be a that before you finally become a doctor. Understanding like what that pathway is will also help you determine if that's something that you really want to commit to. Correct. And that's is that, is that honestly what you want to do with your life? Right, right. And yeah, those steps are crucial because you just mentioned, like, so you know what your skills are and you know what the education it takes, but then what does that commitment look like? You use the doctor, for example. I was actually just on a phone call uh, with my friend Lauren Carroll, Dr. Lauren Carroll, who has an MD. Shout out to Lauren. And, you know, she obviously had to go through series of classes and degrees. And while wow, it took her, you know, 10 years and residency on and on. And so it is important to understand what type of education does this thing that I want to do take? Does it require a bachelor's degree or might it require a master's degree? And so that's all a part of putting in that that the groundwork and understanding what the career 
path takes. Now, one thing that does happen, though, Jarrell, and I've heard it done uh, quite a few times, we do have some examples in our world, like, I can't think of all of them, but like a Steve Jobs, and there's quite a few other men and women who maybe just gone to, gosh, uh, high school, or maybe they took a few you know, classes at Harvard. I think Mark Zuckerberg didn't complete the bachelor's degree. And then so what I have heard some people say, well, Mark didn't get the degree or such and such didn't get it. So I don't either. So uh, what I'm going to say this, and this is the one thing about me, I, I, I'm very open. I'm very honest. And I'm going to just say it like this. Not everybody is Mark Zuckerberg. Not everybody is Steve Jobs. Yes, dream big, but realize that sometimes you got to put in a little bit more work than they had to do. If if you're blessed to be that person, I applaud you. But just know that that saying of, well, Mark Zuckerberg didn't do it. What happens if you don't become Mark Zuckerberg? Think about it from that perspective. What happens if you don't if you don't get there? You need to always have a plan B. Correct. Correct. And I just want to say that true that certain professions may not. There are people who do not get certain degrees and certifications by all odds. Oftentimes those are exceptions and not the rule. And so it's important to understand, generally speaking, what are those expectations or generally speaking, what are the qualifications that a person must have? Looking at the exceptions is good because that's inspirational, but that may not be the most realistic approach. And, and that, that's something that I think is very important to say. And, and but I pre- I, one thing that you could add, too, is those people who ended up founding these companies, if you look at the company, they're requiring degrees and education and certification. So they understand the value of education as well. Correct. To continue to, to further like their vision and things like that. Absolutely. And that's a very important point. That's a very, very important point. And I think that what's also an important point is when you decide your career interest, um, it prevents a lot of things for a lot of us who have gone through the journey of education. You oftentimes hear people talking about getting different degrees along the way, or you have heard people say, I got a degree in this area, but I don't use it. Or I've even heard people say, I, it took me 20 years or 15 years to get my my bachelor's degree. Um, and typically bachelor's degree take about five years. They used to say four, but I think it's more like five. But by understanding where your interests are and taking some time to think about it, it can help a person be a little bit more focused. And truthfully, Jarrell, it's not the case that everyone needs to start college right after uh, high school, or it may not be the case they need to start trade school or community college or whatever it is they want to do. The truth is some of us need time to figure it out. And that figuring out can be pivotal in the sense that it may prevent you from spending money on some education that you don't really need because you don't really want to go in that area. And it could prevent you from spending exerting time in an area where you ultimately are not going to go. So the, and also just to to add to that, if you do know that for a fact that, yes, I want to go to college, running to the big name university, fresh out of high school may not be the, the first step. Maybe while you're figuring out what your major is, you take, the classes at your local community college. They offer they offer the maths, they offer the English, they offer all the core classes that you need in order to get to that four-year university and you save a lot of money in the long run. That's one thing that I wish I would have did. Um, the school that I went to was at that time like $27,000 a year. And after financial aid and scholarships and stuff like that, loans, loans became a thing. But the one thing that we learned our junior year was there was a whole crop of people who just showed up and they had the same class standing as us. And we like, hey, what's good? 
And they have went to community colleges, took all the core classes, transferred them all in and only had to pay for two years, but they got scholarships too. So they finished without debt while we were there all four or five years and finished with debt. So there are ways to look at it too. So maybe you take a gap year and you figure out what you want to do, or maybe you like, I know I'm going to college. Majority of all degree programs get some of the base, same base level programs, start taking them at the community college. You can even do that during high school, honestly. Um, and the, the credits will transfer. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because what you're talking about, I like what you just described because you described a, two different ways how a person ended up with a degree. One person ended up going to the university for the whole four years and paying the $27,000 per year in your example, which that equated to obviously over $100,000. However, compared to another person who came out with the same degree, but they made the decision to go to a community college, which is significantly cheaper. And oftentimes it's free. In many scenarios, it's completely free anyway. And that person got the same required classes. And so when they transferred over to the school, they two years worth of expenses they did not have to worry about. And additionally, you described, and when they did transfer over, many of them had the scholarships in place that maybe they were able to obtain because of how well they did the first two years, uh, which made even the last two years more economical for them. It, life is a game. That's what that's it's a game. The, the one thing you learn. And like some people figure it out faster than others. Oh, yes. Some, some people have people in their corner that figured out and told them. And some of us are out here just like, Oh, okay. Well, my, parents went, my parents went to the big four, four year university fresh out of high school. That's what I got to do. Right. And that's why I thought it was so important for us to have this conversation, because, as you know, there's a new crop of beautiful high school seniors that are going to be graduating in May and in June and are aggressively looking at all of their options right now and trying to make the decision that is going to help them get closer to their goal. And oftentimes in making those decisions, the the money part and what it means isn't always talked about or understood as aggressively as it should be. And as a result of it not being discussed on the front end, on the back end, you know, people find themselves regretting their path or wishing things could have gone differently. And that's why today's conversation can hopefully influence uh, someone who's adjacent to a younger person that's getting ready uh, to make those decisions, affording the education, affording the education. So as you talked about, one of the pathways to affording the education, once you decide what's needed for your particular interest career-wise, is first and foremost, one thought is how much does it cost, number one, but is there any financial support that will help you pay for it as much as possible? And like how you talked about, Jarrell, I applied for financial aid. I attended Wayne State University undergrad in Detroit, Michigan. I was a resident of Detroit, the state of Michigan. So by me choosing to go to a state, a school in my state, I got that benefit of being a resident, number one. But then on top of that, I did apply for financial aid because I wanted to see if my financial circumstance would allow me to get the money. And the financial aid is largely dependent upon your your family, your mother, your father, whoever your guardian is, whatever their salary, whatever their income, whatever financial situation they're in, it influences how much you get for financial aid. And so people who may have certain disadvantages or maybe just have a single parent household or maybe in a financial situation where the parents are working class, they may find themselves being able to get a larger amount of aid or a significant amount or smaller, but you won't know until you complete the paperwork. And so financial aid is a very important step for uh, education programs and looking to enroll in programs that accept financial aid is certainly something to consider as well, Jerome, because not all programs accept financial aid. They don't. 
They they do not. And then I can speak for back when I was going to school. I know a lot of things have changed. Like we were truly the guinea pigs of the loan industry. And that's why there are mean. <laughs> not guinea pigs. It, we 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 were, we were the guinea pigs. That's why there are memes and things that just say the craziest thing I did was take out money to go to school so I can get a job to pay back the money that I took out to go to school. When we were going to college, like financial aid was big, but you were sharing that with everybody. They wasn't covering the full tuition cost for a twenty some thousand dollar university, and the average cost of universities these days have drastically increased to where. Private universities are now, I believe, like almost like 40 some thousand dollars a year, whereas the publics are in the 20s. So finding that school that's going to give you the best financial aid package, if you got scholarships, the best scholarship package, like you have to really understand like what the money looks like. And I tell the story about when I was going to college, I was going to go to to Morehouse. Shout out to, to all the HBCUs. We had the Morehouse shirts. We had everything. But when it came down to the package, the package that was more beneficial for me in that case was to go to Kettering and to offset costs. Kettering being a co-op school, I was getting paid for working at GM. Correct. So freshman out of high school, I was bringing home almost $3,000 a month. And my mother made sure that I put some of that money towards my tuition bill, like you got to save some of this money. Um, but as time transitions and you move, I move between different co-ops and things like that. The money wasn't as, as big. So less went towards the tuition bill. And then the scholarships were, were drying up because we we're all, all competing for the same bucket of money. So right. you have to start thinking about the finances of it all, because there is a bill. Oh, yes, there and is. And if you come from from households that can't cover that bill, that means you're going to look at loans. Back then, they had what was called predatory loans. And the schools were pushing them on people. So you need to understand what your loan terms are if you have to take out a loan. When I graduated from college, I got a bill. I had this one loan company called Education Finance Partners. Shout out to y'all. Y'all went under. Um but they, <laughs> they 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 sent me a bill and was just like your monthly loan payment is two thousand dollars a month. That mind is you, that's astronomical. Mind you, that wasn't even the feds. The feds still they sent their bill. Sally May sent their bill, and then you had some of the private just like, oh yeah. And it was like, well, I just graduated. Don't I get six months? They said, oh no, your forbearance was while you was in school. This two thousand dollars is due now. Wow. So you have to, I stress this with loans and things like, I I made it through. Like, we, we don't even talk about that, but I made it through. Right. But these loan terms are real. And there's a shift happening, too, that everybody needs to be aware of. Loan servicing providers are getting out of the game. The long-term loan servicing providers, like my fair loan servicing, Navian is getting out the game. Sally Mae, like all of these people are backing out. So the financing options are going to these new fly-by-night loan companies again that have never serviced federal loans. So this is the time now. If you're definitely coming out of school in this next year, you need to be watching what's going on with financing for school. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the financing piece for school is important. We talked about financial aid, but what you also just discussed was loans, because just to be clear, financial aid is something that you get from the government. It's a, an award that does not have to be paid back. That is called financial aid. However, a loan is something that you get, but you do have to pay it back. And there is an interest associated with paying it back. So there's the financial aid and then there's the loan. Of course, the more financial aid you get, the less loan you have to take out unless, of course, you have the money already or you're planning to work while going to school. So that's one of the key areas of determining what you can afford, because as you just talked about, Jarrell, it all seems like fun and games when you're in school and you're taking out the loan until 
you get out of school and it's time to pay it back. And in your example, the amount being $2,000 a month. But the truth is some people are paying a much more than that a month because the amount that institutions cost, it has risen so much since when I graduated. I can't believe it. I simply can't believe because I started going to college. I graduated high school in 1997, of course, May of 1997. I immediately enrolled that fall. And the amount that I paid, it was so much less than what people are paying. It's truly unbelievable. It's mm -hmm. unbelievable. Oh, it's ridiculous. And I think, and Don, one thing, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think sometimes in your financial aid package, the government will include government funded loans. Correct. Correct. So there are different layers of loans. There are certain organizations that are, you know, vetted by the government and, and therefore they may suggest you get take certain loans out. The interest may be a little bit lower than, let's say, a different type of loan. Like, for example, Wells Fargo, you have the banks out there. They provide school loans as well. So there is no shortage of options out there for loans. The question is, what will the interest rates be? And in some scenarios, the interest rates are totally um, something that's super high and in others they're more reasonable but understanding the differences the loans are not created equal they are not the same and understanding those interest rates are essential to making the right decision but yes you you are you are correct one thing I do also want to add that in my case I made the decision to stay at home meaning I didn't go to a campus I stayed at home, so that room and board was not something that I had to ultimately pay for because, you know, I stayed at home. But for those who do go into those types of college arrangements, that fee is separate from. So as we're talking about college costs and per year and per class, we are not talking about room and board or food. That is literally a whole separate conversation. Room and board, food, amenity access fees, and all of the other extra fees that they're going to charge you while you're on that campus, that's not included. And no. you got to eat. So, correct. And I think a lot of universities require your first year you stay in their housing if they, if they have it available. Right. So, tack that on your first year. Your, your second year, you can move off campus, move into apartments, kind of live the kind of lifestyle you want to, but most universities you have to, to live in the dorms. Um, I, again, I went from Indiana to a school in Michigan, so I had to stay in the dorms. Um, so first year I stayed in the dorms, second year I stayed in campus apartments, uh, which that was money I had to come up with. That wasn't tuition that we paid. And then we were grocery shop, I didn't get a meal plan. So that's money I saved on money on, on food. But then I had the luxury of living in my fraternity's frat house. So that drastically decreased my living expenses costs um, because I think the rent in the frat house is probably like $300 a month. Can you imagine $300 a month in rent now? Wow. But that's awesome. That, that helped. So there are pathways with like housing to decrease the costs and but you really got to understand, like, before you step foot on that campus, what does this cost bucket look like and how is it going to shape over the next couple of years? Right. And that's the reason why, as we're talking about determining if you can afford the college education, that's why it's important to look at what is this going to cost me if it takes me five years, six years four years to get this education, two years even, what is the total amount, not just with education, but with the food, but with the room and board. And once you get that total, finding out, and when it's time for me to pay this back, how much will it be? What is the estimate of the monthly amount that it will be? So those are the types of calculations that should be occurring before you determine what school you're going to because this is all a part of can i afford it 
And what we're discussing right now isn't at all what happens in most cases, Jarrell. Some people are totally aghast at how much they have to pay because they never even thought about that part until literally the first student uh, memo or invoice came, you know, three weeks after graduation. No, that's that's real. <laughs> right, right. The money you take out, you're going to have to pay back. I, I do look back and I will be honest and give you guys the honest to God truth. Some of that money I spent on shoes that I don't even got, got anymore. So I'm still paying loans <laughs> on frivolous expenses. Like when you take out loans, you have to think about like, how are you going to use this money? Because getting a loan refund check, it's not ball out time that that money has to be paid back. But back then, didn't have anybody stepping in. You're an adult. Nobody's going to step in and manage your finances for you. So you have to be responsible. And we're figuring it out during that, that time period. But it's one of those things that no now going in, if you get a refund check that's not from a scholarship and it has stipulations to be paid back, you will pay that back. Absolutely. Because what the current statistics show is that the average cost of college is $35,000 yearly. That's the average. Okay. And according to these averages, the average person has $40,000 in debt. That's average. The average person who has gone to the university, whether they've completed the degree or not, because just because you don't get the degree or the certificate, it does not mean that you are not responsible for the loan. And that's why going back to the initial part of what needs to be done, determining your interest and your skills is pivotal because the idea of starting something that you're not interested in, you're not focused on, but still having to pay the debt back is it's it's pretty difficult. And a lot of folks who find themselves in that predicament, they sometimes they can't recover because although forty thousand dollars is the average, a lot of people are owing eighty thousand, a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars in debt. I will be, I will be honest and sit on here with with you guys. Like they said, I wouldn't be done paying back my Navient loans until twenty twenty four. I only took out school loans when I went to Kettering University for undergrad, that was five years of my life. And no, not 2024, 2042, sorry. So I have additional 20 more years. I haven't been out of school since 2009. So it's gonna take from 2009 to 2042 for me to pay back the money that I took out while I went to school. So I stress that like, my life has changed and I understand the value of like making the payments and all the other stuff. But I just want to make sure that you know that these loan payment periods are not a drop in the bucket. They are extended periods of time. Right. They could. For example, I think Michelle Obama, she mentioned that her and Barack did not finish paying their student loans. I mean, it was just a few years before he became president. So they were basically late 30s or early 40s. I can't give the exact age, but literally just a few years before they were in the White House, they finally got the student loans paid. Now, it is important to mention that in those cases, they did get the undergrad and the law degree, and they both did choose to go to really elite institutions that sometimes charge more. And but, I if, do you, but if you think about it, they were both. She was a practicing lawyer for a big name law firm in Chicago and they still hadn't paid off their loans. Correct. She was. And, and even when she left that law firm and worked in the public sector, she still made a decent amount of money. And to your point, it is something to consider because it's not always the worst thing in the world to have a big loan from the standpoint of some career paths just pay more. Jarrell, you talked about engineering. And while there is a spectrum, not all engineers make the same amount. Some make significantly less than others. But generally speaking, uh, engineering, information technology, a lot of the medical fields, and a lot of uh, certain 
career paths, they do lead to you making more. So in some instances, the calculation that people make is, yes, I'm going to get this loan amount and I'm going to be in debt. But since my career path will have me coming out of college making 100000 and up to me making two hundred. I will make enough money to get this debt paid off. So that is the type of thinking that some people are doing and may decide it's worth the debt, which is why, again, when we spoke about earlier, looking at not only what your interests are, but what areas are you going to and what does that, what what does it pay? What does it pay? Can I add another layer to that? Right. As you look at your degree path and your following degree path, then it starts getting to a point where sometimes getting a degree for the sake of a degree does not guarantee you the money. Correct. So you really have to understand at a certain point what weight that degree from that institution weighs compared to a degree from another institution. It, it's a couple of different layers that you have to look like because I know MBAs that make well over $200,000, $300,000. And I know MBAs that make $50,000. I know people who have law degrees that make a substantial amount of money because what they practice and you got people who have law degrees who don't. You have to understand, again, it's a game. All the puzzle pieces that come into play at certain times. Absolutely. So that's really important. And one thing I would like to add to what you said is, it is true that some career paths, they pay more on average. So it's important to know what the field that you're going into, what does it make? How much it, how much is the average amount? How much does a person in the beginning make versus someone who's been in the field for 20 years, it's easy to say, oh, I know an engineer and he makes, you know, $215,000. And that's realistic for a lot of engineers, but that may not be realistic coming out of college. And so it's important to understand, oh, or while he may be an engineer, he could be a nuclear engineer and you may be a mechanical. And the the price ranges of what salary looks like for those two different types of engineer, even though they're both engineered, that can make a huge difference. And that's why all of these calculations matter. And one thing that is not spoken about enough, Jarrell, is it's not just the school you went to and it's not just the degree that you obtained or the certificate or whatever, but it's also your work ethic and the value that you bring to a company. After all, having a piece of paper- And your network. And your network. So you're looking at these- statistics that say I can't make this amount. Well, yes, if you work hard, if you bring value to the organization, if the people who hire you and determine your salary decide that you are value and you're worth that amount, no one is guaranteed any amount of money. No one is guaranteed any position of degree uh, from a certain school, a degree of a certain type doesn't guarantee it. It can make it more possible, perhaps, but that doesn't take away the fact that you also have to work hard and be competitive with the other people who are also trying to achieve that salary that you're trying to achieve as well. Yep. Facts. So I think that we have gone over a lot of um, information that I think is is super important. I just want to recapture the steps that a person needs to make when they're trying to decide if they're going to go to college or if they should. You want to first decide what it is that you want to do, um, what your interests are, and what might be excitable to you. It, it's important to know that. And then we talked about a number of different ways to start figuring that out. But after you decide what it is that you want to do, we want to think about what are those skills that are needed. It may not be a degree. It may be a, a, an associate's. It may be a four-year degree. It may be a master's. It may be a certificate. Who knows? But you have to look into that in order to know for sure. And then once you decide this um, path, 
then you need to really think about if you can afford the education, how much will it cost? And then once you understand how much the education is going to cost, we need to determine what is the earning potential of that particular degree so that you can really determine if the amount of debt that you may ultimately um, uh, develop or you know accrue is 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 uh, worth it when you consider how much you're going to make and for any person who takes those steps you certainly are in a much better position to make an informed decision about what direction you should go in and you're in a much better position to make decisions that are going to have a short-term and a long-term effect on your career and finances and I think we covered as about as much as we needed to cover today, huh? What you think, Jarrell? No, I think we did. I mean, this is a topic that can go on, on and on and on. But I think for today, we hit the high points. Those are the high points. Now, Jarrell, we learned a little bit about you, Earl. You gave an excellent introduction. And so the folks do know a little bit about you, but I want to make sure they know a little bit more about you. So with all of my guests, I like to play a game and it's called This or That. And the way the game goes is simple. I give you two options and you simply tell us which one you choose. All right. Let's do Are it. you ready? Okay, he ready, y'all. So here we go. Cancun or Tulum? Tulum. Why? Because it's all about the experience, the photo opportunities, um, the Instagram moments, those things that I'm going to remember forever. So I enjoyed Tulum. It was a beautiful place, beautiful water. All right. Naomi Campbell, Tyra Banks. Tyra. Because Tyra, even though Naomi is still killing it and looks good, Tyra has evolved from being a model to a mogul to just all around Harvard business grad, even though it was the certificate program, she still got it from Harvard. She did. Um, she's just amazing. So Tyra. Okay. 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 All right. So what about this? Um, hmm. SWV or TLC? That's an easy one. SWV. Okay. Sisters with voices. Okay. Just after crazy, sexy, cool. Uh, but I can I can rock with every SWV album, even release some tension, the one that people don't like. I, which I think is one of their better albums. I think people are crazy. SWV, they've made no mistakes. Even the songs that aren't my favorite, they just have created a solid body of work. So I am with you on that one. Now, yep. <laughs> let me see. And I have one final uh, question for you. Drum roll. Okay. Um, Mercedes Benz or BMW? Uh, Mercedes, I'm not really a BMW person. I feel like they've given you the same vehicle for the last 10 years. So, not really a BMW person. More into Mercedes especially when they came out with the illuminated Mercedes-Benz logo, that kind of just like sealed it for me. Like I'm a okay. Benz person. Okay. 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 Well, that, that's cool. That's cool. I like Mercedes too. I think those are really cool cars. Okay. So I have one final question for you, Jarrell, your playlist. You know, I know that one of the keys to having a productive day before you start professionally is, is working out and getting, getting the blood and getting the sweat going. Tell me one of the, recent songs that you've added to your workout playlist city girls rodeo make them grow like pinocchio i'm a free like a scorpio let's go live make a video and i'm a ride you like a rodeo i'm a, I'm a little ratchet y'all <laughs> oh my gosh i'm like first of all i never heard that song it's, is it like a new song no, nah, it's on their their new album, which is actually a, a pretty good album. I listened to it all the way through recently. I was like, dang, I've been sleep on this City Girls album. But yeah, it's one of those cuts that wasn't a single, but it's starting to pick up traction. Okay, okay, no problem. Well, I want to give you one song that I've added to my playlist, and I took it all the way back when I wasn't even 10 years old yet. I recently added Crystal Waters' 
gypsy woman. She's homeless. You late. Why are you so late on that? I used well, to listen. work out to that like back when I lived in D.C. That was on one of my playlists. Okay, see, for me, it is so important that your playlist has a balance between the R&B, the hip-hop, the old, the new, the house, all of it. So I always take it back, but that's one of the more recent ones that I just added to my playlist probably uh, like this weekend I added it. See, that? that's how I know you wasn't watching The Living Color back in the day when they did the <laughs> skit where they, they mimic Crystal Waters to see the... It should have been on your playlist way before now, Don. I'm, no. I'm disappointed. <laughs> well, Jarrell, I thank you so very much for uh, coming on to our show and being a guest host and really uh, helping the people understand what the options that they uh, have regarding education. Thank you so much. And you, Jarrell, my friend, you have a lot of stuff going on as well. So if you could take a couple of moments to share some of the amazing projects that you got going on. No, again, Don, thank you for having me. Um, congratulations on the podcast. This was a great conversation that needed to be had. Um, you can find me on Instagram, jwill06, J-A-Y-W-I-L-L-O-6. Feel free to go ahead and follow me. Um, I do have a lot of things in the fire. I have my own podcast that will be out in the next month. It's called A Seat at My Table. We're going to have a lot of, a lot of colorful commentary and conversation so if that's your thing come check me out i'm also a co-host on the no time for that podcast that is streaming on all platforms right now and i actually got a game show on the work so be on the lookout for that wow so we got the next steve harvey like game shows talk shows everything jeesh if steve harvey can be a judge i can be a judge listen and on that exactly <laughs> now so i'm going to make sure that all of your handles your social media all of the the shows that you talked about that, that you are currently hosting have all of that in the show notes so people can reach out to you and, and connect with you in every way that that you've listed so jarell again thank you so very much this has been an awesome conversation and i look forward to having you on our show very very soon i'll be calling very soon yeah, thank you, Don. Everybody have a good night. All right. Thank you so much, Jarrell. And thank you all so much. I really appreciate you listening this evening, um, this afternoon, whenever you're listening to this show. And please continue to rate the show. Please continue to share it, especially this episode. If you know someone who has a younger person, if you have a younger person, make sure they have this episode because this may be very, very helpful for them. So until next time, that's all we got. Have a great day. Talk to you soon.